0: Take them to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter number 4, and we'll continue and pray that God's spirit will continue to work in hearts. Jonah chapter number 4, as you're turning, please stand on and reverence the word of God, and we pray that God continues to work in hearts, amen. Jonah 4, verses 1 through 4, we've crossed over into the final chapter in Jonah, and to some surprising words. To be honest, I started to entitle this message you got to be kidding me. You know, or, or he said, what? You know, I, this is just bizarre what we read here from Jonah. Look in Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. It being the conversion of an entire city. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now O Lord take I beseech thee my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord doest thou well to be angry? You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Digging up bones. Digging up bones. You'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, sweet Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come once again and continue to speak to our hearts God, that You would drive us to Jesus, that we'd kneel before His majesty, His glory, and confess our sin, and be made right with You, and pronounce our love for You. Oh God, let us see Him gloriously in this message. Father, I pray You would guard our hearts. God, I pray that you would show us where we've been digging around in old bones that we got no business digging around in. Where there's an old man that's creeped up behind us and is now urging us to be like we were before we even met you. God, I pray you would help us this morning. Father, we ask that you'd save the lost, those that are here without you. They've never come to saving faith. They've never known you. May they repent and believe the gospel. May they come and possess Jesus as their own. Oh, Father, we pray you'd help us to respond to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Last year, 2015, was not a good summer around the Brown household for pets. Last year, Grayson's dog, Rosie, had a litter of puppies. And, and we have found that through that, those summer months, one by one, for one reason or another, they all passed away. And uh, I remember the last one. It was on a Wednesday. And uh, it had gotten hit by a car. And I knew by the screeching of tires out in front of our house, something bad had happened. I went out there to find the little puppy dad on the road. And I picked it up. And and I, my heart was broken. I, I just I don't know how much more our family could t- take of these pets dying on us and these little puppies getting killed. But I took it out in the woods. and I said, well, I'll bury it after church. I'll, I'll put it in a grave and bury it. And so after church, I went out there. And it, was, it was about this time. It was blazing hot in, the, in those woods. And I, I took a shovel and, and, and dug a little shallow grave. And I, I placed the puppy down in that grave and covered it over and quickly went inside the house. Several days later, I recognized that my newly purchased glasses were missing. I couldn't find them anywhere. I looked all over the house and the last, the last time I remembered having them was on Wednesday night when I preached and I'd, I'd put them in my shirt pocket as I do often. And, and so when I went out to those woods, I no doubt had my glasses in my pocket. So my deduction was that my glasses are out in the woods. And so I went out and I had not been back there since I buried that little puppy. I went out in those woods and, and looked at where I, I first placed the puppy and couldn't find them anywhere. Leaves all over the ground. I tried to search and feel around. Then I went to where the puppy was buried. It was a few, about 20, 30 feet away from where I initially laid the dog before church. And I, I came over to the grave and, and I didn't find my glasses but I, I found something very unexpected. The grave where that Dog had been buried, had been d- disturbed. I saw footprints all around the the grave, and, and it looked like parts of the uh, of the the burial, the dirt had been moved, and something was digging a- around uh, that that burial site. No doubt drawn by uh, the smell of decay. I I hadn't dug it all that deep. Well, I didn't want that precious dog to be. Disturbed. So what I did is I went into the shed and got me a big shovel and I, I dumped as much dirt on top of uh, what I'd already done as I could to try to make a big mound of dirt. And then I took a, a bunch of sticks and as many rocks as I could find nearby and placed it on top. I didn't want nobody, no, no animal to disturb uh, that little puppy. And, and it had already been through enough. And so I was just kind of covering the, the dog over You know, when we come to Jonah chapter number 4 and verse number 1, I believe that we would all agree that Jonah said something shocking. If you're reading Jonah for the first time, and you come to chapter 4 and verse number 1, I imagine that it would have taken your breath away. We may ask ourselves, is this the same guy that was in chapter number 2 and 3? We may well think of that old man Jonah, the old Jonah, in chapter number 1. He's more like what this man is in chapter number 4. That old Jonah, you remember him, running, rebellious, self-righteous. This old Jonah was supposed to be dead and gone after that whole experience with the whale. We might think that this man uh, that, uh, that had learned his lesson would now celebrate what took place. God's mercy bestowed upon this wicked city Nineveh. But something has gone and disturbed the, that old grave and dug that old Jonah up. Something's gone poking around where that old man Jonah, the pre-whale Jonah, the pre-deep sea diving Jonah. Something has found him and that old Jonah has been let loose. You know, anyone that is in Christ Jesus is a new creature. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, tells us, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. God saved me. I'm not the same person I was before then. He changed me inside out. Did a a radical work of salvation. I'm not that same person. He took an old blasphemous, he took an old prideful, arrogant man, young man, and broke him and made him somebody different. I ain't perfect. Don't ever set me up as perfect, but I ain't the same. But I know as well as probably you do too, that deep down there's an old man in there. Deep down, there's a Ronnie Brown that that, uh, that, that likes to rear his ugly head every now and then. And he sure looks a whole lot like that guy that I was before I got saved. You know, the world, the flesh, my flesh, the part of me that ain't saved still got problems. The devil, he likes to poke around that old grave. And wants to dig that old man up. Hey, this is doctrinal teaching. I'm just not making this up. Listen to what Paul said. Paul was aware of this this uh, uh, this part of our spiritual life. He wrote in Ephesians four twenty two that she put off concerning the former conversation, the old man that is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Colossians three nine lie not to one another, seeing that ye have. Put off the old man with his deeds. Put off. That's action words. That's something you and I do. That's not just something that the Holy Spirit does in regenerating work. There's still work to put off that old man. And if you can put off that old man, then that old man can be put on, can't it? I wonder, when we look at Jonah, when we see how he's acting in chapter number 4, couldn't we say that maybe that old Jonah, that pre whale Jonah, that pre cry unto God salvation is of the Lord? That pre evangelistic mission, God, I'll go wherever you send me, is that pre Jonah that's rebellious and self righteous has somehow creeped into his experience. Every one of us need to be aware that there's an old man or an old woman or an old uh, person that we used to be still dwelling deep down in our flesh. And he can come out in our actions, in our attitudes to reflect our pre-conversion state. He's still there. And if we let him loose... If we let him run rampant, if he gets out of that grave and starts pulling my strings, I'm telling you, I can act a whole lot like I did before I got saved. I'm not talking salvation is an act. I'm talking about an influence, a devilish, fleshly influence that must be controlled. He must be contained. And by the power and the Spirit of God, by my persistent walking after Jesus, can. But in often cases, sometimes, he can let loose. And these four verses give us four descriptions that will help us put off that old man. You say, Brother Ronnie, be honest with you. Right now, where I am, how I live, what I do, my communication, my language, my dress, how I live, how I conduct myself, ain't a whole lot different than when I repented and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, there's two things here. Number one... It's either you didn't really trust Jesus Christ as Lord, you ain't never been saved. Or number two, you've let this old man get out of that grave and start conducting your life when he ought to be taken and put on a cross again and killed again and put down in a grave. So I believe as we look at Jonah, his his old man coming to bear, those old bones coming up and and conducting Jonah like he was before God encountered him in that whale. I believe we can learn some lessons on how to put off, put off that old man. Number one, I want you to see the first description. Jonah's displeasure toward God. You want to know when the old man is really taking over? It's when you look at God and say, you know, I don't like how you do things. I don't care for how this all ended up at all. Notice verse number one. Jonah four, verse number one. But he displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. A city filled with as, as many as some estimate over a million people were awakened to God's demands and turned from their sin to trust God. There is absolutely nothing that a person that believes in God should be angry about. Now an atheist might get mad about that. You know an a, a ardent pagan in another city might get mad that they turned to but a person that believes in God and Jehovah, they ain't nothing. They ain't no reason in the world they should get mad. Well, not according to Jonah. He had an entirely different perspective on these events, and the outcome, the bottom line, is that he was angry at God. You know, in this verse, there is a sense that Jonah accuses God of doing that which is evil. Jonah, without any hesitation, says to God, God, what you've done is wrong. It's sinful. It's evil. You study the language in this verse. You'll find a hint that he's saying to God, what you've done was sinful. What you've done in mercy and grace was wrong, God. In Jonah's mind, God was being evil and not in not by, by not overturning Nineveh. Listen, David, David, the great King David had sinned and experienced the recompense of sin. He was chasing. That baby of Bathsheba died. And the sword never left his house, house from then on out. David suffered those uh, those uh, chastisement. Why shouldn't Nineveh experience these consequences of sin? That's his point of view. Jonah was mad too. Look at verse number three. It said it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Woo! He was hot. The word angry there means to burn. With fire. It means to be red like the coals of a fire. He was hot. It means to glow. In Luke 9. There was a scene where Jesus passed by a city of Samaritans. And was, men went ahead of time to prepare for Jesus to come. And they rejected those men. They said we don't want Jesus here. Word got back to James and John. And they asked Jesus? Jesus? Should we call down fire and brimstone and burn that city up? I mean, they were livid. Their master wasn't even permitted to walk into the town. They were hot. They were mad because Jesus was not received. Jonah was angry because God's message was received. It didn't make any sense. Even though James and John were wrong, Jesus said, you know not spirit what, uh, what ye are of. At least they had some reason to be mad. Jonah had none. Jonah had no reason whatsoever to be mad. You know, Jonah is the embodiment of the unforgiving servant in Matthew chapter number 18. You remember that story? It's one of my favorite in the Scriptures. Uh, this, this man, this servant uh, comes to a king And he owes him basically the debt of a nat- uh, our national debt Trillions of dollars in today's money A debt he could not pay in a thousand lifetimes He could not pay it off And the king forgave him that debt He cried and said, oh I'll work king I promise I'll try to pay off the debt The king had mercy and the king forgave the debt And let him go free He walks out on the street. You know the story. We know what happens. He walks out on the street and sees a guy that owes him five bucks from lunch from last week. And the guy don't have any money. And he grabs him by the lapels and he says, "Listen, you need to pay me what you owe me." And he said, "I can't, man. Give me some time. I'll pay it off." No, you're going to jail and put him in debtor's prison. That is exactly the way Jonah is acting right here, right now. Jonah's been forgiven so much. He has rebelled against God, run from God, and God sought him out, and God got him, saved him by that well, and brought him back into his will, and forgave him and and everything else, and now he is upset because God showed mercy to somebody else. He He is hopping mad because God forgave this repentant city. Let me ask you. This is so much a mirror to us. Let me ask you. You ever got mad at God for the way He did things? Did you, ever, did you ever get upset at God the way God providentially shapes the present? Does that ever rub you the wrong way? It's not how you pictured it. It's not like what you thought it would look like. And you put your arms together and you, you fold your arms and you stand in the corner and you pooch your lip out. And you get mad at God. Job thought he knew better than God. You read the book of Job, and although Job was a righteous man, he said some pretty audacious things about God in that book. Until chapter number, what is it, 38, and God come in with a whole bunch of questions. You ever, you ever read that? He comes to Job, he says, Hey, Job, where were you when I hung the stars and laid the foundations of the earth and, and brought forth the waters from the deep? Huh? Where were you, Job? But well, you know, that's the old sin of Adam that we all like to have. Is we, like, we think we know more than God. We think we know better than God. God is emphasizing to Job that he does not need his help in doing his will. Are you sitting here this morning and, you're, and in your mind, you got a bone to pick with God. That situation in your family, that that situation in your life with your kids, with your spouse, with with your job just didn't work out the way you thought it would. And now you've got a problem. You've got a problem with God. I uh, heard a story the other day. Man, I just don't need to go there. Let's Let's just stay on point here. Let's stay on point. Listen, this was Jonah's displeasure with God. Do you want to know when you're digging up bones? you want to know when you've got an old man in control, when you start telling God, I don't like what you did. What you did was wrong. Oh, listen, you might not be as audacious to say it to me or the people at the church, but in the bed at night, when you roll over and you're weighing that problem out and saying, God, it's just not right. Haven't that person had enough? Haven't they dealt with enough in their life? How did you do this, God? What you did is wrong. What you're saying is, God, what you did was sinful. Jonah's displeasure with toward God. Notice, second of all, Jonah's dispute with God. Look at verse number 2. Jonah's dispute with God. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord. Was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? That's that old man talking. You know know where he was in his own country. He was was rebellious against God. I mean, to me, he was the proverbial sinner. He said, I I knew you'd do this. He said, "Oh Lord, was not this saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and great in kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah's problem with God. Jonah's dispute with God. That's what we're looking at. Jonah's dispute with God. I can't believe that Jonah had the gall to say what he said. I mean, do you read these words like me and say, good night, man? I mean, aren't you afraid of lightning bolts from heaven? I heard a story recently about this guy that was uh, he was struck five times by lightning, t- lightning in his life and lightning struck his gravestone after he died. Busted. Man, I'm telling you, I... I I'd wonder about his life, man. God after you, I, I don't know. But man, to say something like this—I mean, I'd be worried about lightning bolts coming from heaven. It is as though he didn't even blush saying it, and said it right to God's face. I mean, this is where the truth comes out. You ever known somebody to get just flaming hot mad and tell you the absolute truth? <laughs> So in other words, spill the beans when they're mad. People, when they get mad, they just let that tongue go and buddy that. You'll find out a whole lot of stuff. Sometimes I just make Carrie mad on purpose so I can get her to just share how she feels. You know, I can really know how she feels. No, no, that's never a problem at my home. So <laughs> she tells me how she feels. But here, here's, the, here's the case. Sometimes when we get angry, we, spe- we, we let it out. And Jonah's mad here and he just lets it go. He said, I knew you were going to do this. I knew it back at the house. As a matter of fact, this is the whole reason I ran to begin with. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were merciful. I knew you were long-suffering. I knew you were kind. And I knew when it came right down to it, God, you'd spare this people. Sounds a whole lot like chapter 3. Uh, this sounds so unlike chapter 3 and verse number 2. Look at what he said. Chapter 3, verse number 2, Arise and go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach it to the the preaching uh, that I bid thee. And so Jonah arose and went. Man, what he says to God in chapter 4 sounds so different. What about verse number uh, number 7 in chapter number 2? Verse number, uh, verse number two in chapter number two, and I look at Jonah said, and I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and I and He heard me uh, out of the belly of hell. Cried I, and Thou heardest my voice. It sounds a lot like a different person. Look at verse number seven in chapter two. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came into His unto Thee into Thy holy temple. Verse number uh, 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that thou hast, uh, I have vowed a uh, salvation is of the Lord. You compare those verses to verse number 2 of chapter 4, I'm telling you they look dif- as different as night and day. One of them has hands like this unto God, the other one has hands on hips in front of God. There is a complete difference in his, in his attitude, in his disposition. But it sure sounds a whole lot like verse, chapter number 1. Look at verse number 9 in chapter number 1. He said to them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, which hath made the sea and the dry land. You know, he's waxing theological in that verse, you know. <laughs> you pagans don't know nothing. I know the God that created the heavens and the seas. I, I, I'm, I'm one of his people. Now, in verse number 2, he's getting all theological again. I knew that you were gracious to God. I knew you were merciful. I knew you'd spare these people. He's a little bit, a little bit waxing theological. Jonah knew his Bible. That's one thing. He knew that the Lord was merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin. Back in Exodus 30, uh, uh, the book of Exodus, when God came down and showed Himself to Moses, that's what He said. I'm long-suffering. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'll be gracious to who I'm gracious. I'll be merciful to whom I have mercy. Jonah knew that. Jonah was orthodox, fundamental, theologically precise, and scripturally correct. And yet he was so far from the Spirit of God in this moment. You can have all the Bible knowledge in the world and still be, still be dead wrong in front of God. He knows all the answers, but he cannot allow God to be God. He can't allow God to be gracious to those in his mind who don't deserve it. You know, we we studied earlier, the only other time in the Old Testament where Jonah comes up was in the book of 2 Kings. I don't know if you remember those verses or not, but it comes comes when uh, they're talking about a prophecy that, that Jonah had made, a word of proclamation to the people of Israel. And because of that proclamation, God spared Israel from judgment. And evidently Jonah, he had no problem, listen to me, he had no problem with God showing mercy to Israel. It's just the Gentiles, he had a problem with him showing that to him. There is a racial problem here. There's a racial divide. When it came to the Gentiles, Jonah felt they were unworthy of forgiveness. They ought to be nuked. God, drop a bomb on them. Let them blow up. But don't do that to Israel, my people. This is the prideful inner notion that me and my kind are better than you and your kind. That this tendency is in every one of us to raise ourselves up over people, other people, whether it be because of what? Race, class, economy geography denomination conviction any myriad of little little distinguishing traits we can look down our sanctimonious nose at somebody else that's what jonah's doing he's acting like he's the one that ought to be god that he's the one that ought to know who gets mercy and who gets wrath you see uh, this uh, and and jonah here he seems to forget that just a few chapters ago he was sinking in the depths of his sin to the bottom of the ocean he had, he, had, he had death mark all over him and God came to where he was and God sent a fish and saved him and preserved his life Jonah wasn't worth shooting when God found him and neither were you you got no business raising yourself up over anybody else over any class of people. Over any racial distinction. God saved you. You weren't worth shooting. You were in the depths of sin. Bounded on your way to hell. And he come by and was gracious to you. And was merciful to you. How dare you say to somebody. Well listen we're not going after that kind. If we go after that kind. I'm leaving. If we, if we go after that economy. That class. You know, somebody, oftentimes, somebody's not as crass enough to say, well, we're not going to go after certain races. But I'm telling you, if a certain kind of element starts coming into the church, a certain kind of element on a different economic level, class, a certain kind of millennial group that may not be as completely attractive to you and what you think a person ought to look like and dress like and everything else, and we start going after those people, I'm telling you, this old Jonah can flare up in a lot of places here we find uh, that uh, that God, uh, God wants to go after these people and Jonah has an attitude this is his dispute with God oh this attitude of Jonah it's just that old man rattling his bones is that your problem? you're so cleaned up dignified that you think you know who's worth saving and who's not who's worth going after and who's not God help us God help us if we have an attitude like that. I'm telling you what, that's an old man. That's the old man that forgot from whence he was dug. Amen. Isaiah talks about you have forgotten from whence you were hewn. You were a rock under the ground. Nobody knew you. Nobody loved you. You were on your way to hell and God dug you out of a pit of sin and broached you unto himself and polished you and made you a gem. You forgot that you was a hunk of coal under the ground. You forgot from whence you were dug. The dispute toward God. Boy, that's a sure sign. Your old man is jangling his bones. The the displeasure toward God. That's a good sign of it. Third of all, Jonah's demand of God. Look at verse number 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. I wonder. I just wonder. This is off the notes. If Jonah was scared to go back to the ministerial meeting and say that his pronouncement of judgment brought, brought life to all the Gentiles up there and all the enemies. Well, there you go, Jonah. That's a good one. Leave our enemies alive and tell them about God. Oh, that's great. That'll really preserve us. I don't know. But here, he's saying, Jonah's saying, Lord, just kill me. I'd rather die than go back to the ministerial meeting, to the brotherhood. I'd rather die than go back and tell them that my prophecy didn't come to pass. I'd rather die, Lord. You see, this sounds like who? Chapter 1 again. Wasn't it? Back in chapter number 1, instead of bowing on that boat, remember the boat? He's on his way to Tarshish. Storm comes. Waves high. Little boats, cap, little boats bobbing in the waters. They call Jonah. He draws a short straw. He said, "It's my reason, It's for my reason that this great evil has come upon us. And instead of saying, I'm going to bow before God and say, oh, God, I'm sorry. Please, Lord, forgive me. I'll do whatever you, uh, whatever you ask. The storm will cease. And I guarantee you there have been a bunch of sailors saying, let's get this man, man back to Joppa. Amen. Let's dump him off in Joppa. Turn this thing around. But no, instead of doing that, what does he say? Throw me overboard. I would rather die. I would rather die than do what God has called me to do. Boy, it sounds just like that guy, doesn't he? I'd rather die, Lord, than continue to go on down to Israel and people find out that I'm the reason a bunch of, a bunch of uh, Gentiles were saved and spared. You know, I wonder. I wonder, if, you know, when I was in my early days, when I first started preaching, I don't know if I still do this. If I do, I don't do it on purpose. But when, I was, when I was younger, I tried to style myself after certain preachers. I'd listen to them and I'd say, I want to say it just like that. I'd pick out the, the best phrases of preachers and I'd say, Well, that's got to be in my repertoire. You know, you know, uh, I I gotta say that one. That's a good one. I and I'd try to style myself. I'd try to sound, make myself sound like I was Joe Arthur, I'd make myself sound like I was Buster Seton or, or some of my favorite preachers. My my preachers, I I love them. I want to sound just like them. Needless to say, I was not a Joe Arthur. I am not a Buster Seaton, And I do not sound like half of them half the time. Wish I did, but I don't. But I'd style myself after them. You know, Jonah here's kind of style himself after some of the prophets, I think. Lord, just kill me. Lord, just I'd rather die. You know, does he sound like other prophets? Sound like Moses? Moses said, oh, Lord, just kill me now. Good night. Please, Lord, take my life. Elijah. Faced with the threats of faced with the threats of Jezebel. Oh God, God kill me now. God, I'm all by myself. God kill me. Jeremiah asked to be killed. Others dying. And Jonah may be styling himself after one of those prophets. You know, he's so different from all these other prophets. He sounds ridiculous. Moses was ready to die because of all of the needs of his people. Uh, uh, when it comes to Elijah. Elijah wanted to die because of Jezebel. Jeremiah wanted to die because of the, the sin of the people. It's sinking deeper and deeper. Why does Jonah want to be killed? Because he did not want anybody to know he was responsible for preaching the message that saved the whole city. He's trying to style himself after somebody. I never forget, years ago, there was a debate on television between two presidential candidates. You probably remember this. And, uh, and one of the candidates says that, well, I like to do things kind of like John F. Kennedy, the great president. And the other guy says, you remember the line? You remember the line? He said, I knew John F. Kennedy, and you, sir, are no Kennedy. You remember that line? You remember that line? We can say that to Jonah. We know Elijah, Jonah. You ain't no Elijah. <laughs> you ain't him close. He's trying to style himself. He's trying to make himself look like uh, El- Elijah when he really looks like the elder brother of the prodigal He's mad. He's mad at God's mercy. He's mad at God's forgiveness. He's angry because he didn't get what he wanted. He's angry because his words did not come to pass. He's angry because he could not see the destruction of the other party. That's what the elder brother wanted. That's what Jonah wanted. looks just like the elder brother. Just like the Jews of Jesus' day. Now, although, listen, we may minimize the request... That Jonah makes here in verse number 4. And we may wonder where is this coming from. This man is, is off his rocker. Why is he asking to die? Why is he wanting to die? But the truth of the matter is. When someone is dealing with suicide. It's not always easy to figure out. Depression is so hard to pinpoint. It's so hard to trace the lines of where depression is going to lead. We need to be careful here. There is often the whisper of many uh, that suicide is the remedy. Never forget, Satan is a liar and a murderer. He wants nothing more than to steal and to kill. And one of the ways he does this is through the seduction of suicide. According to recent, recent statistics, suicide is the third leading cause of the death of teens. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in colleges. Every day there are approximately 11 youth suicides. Every 2 hours and 11 minutes a person uh, under the age of 25 commits suicide. For every suicide completion there are between 50 and 200 attempts for people to kill themselves. Suicide is a seductress. That comes to our ears and whispers. I'll take your pain away. I'll give you relief. You can get revenge on the people that have done you wrong. I will cause people to wail and cry over you. Listen. Those whispers are a lie. I don't care how young you are this morning. You need to listen to my voice. The whispers of that voice within that tells you to take your life, is a liar. He is a bloodthirsty Satan who wants nothing to do but to snuff your young life out. Your life is a gift from God. A treasure of experiences, a great expanse of expectations. Yes, there are difficulties. Yes, there are griefs, but they pale in comparisons to the joys and pleasures that God gives in 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 common grace. You may be lost as a ball at high weeds this morning, but I pray to God you'd listen to me. Your life is precious and worth living. And yes, there are sorrows and problems. But the joys that God gives us in common grace are well worth living a life. You're looking at a preacher that over that nearly nearly a year ago, unbeknownst to my family and unbeknownst to my wife, dealt seriously with this seductress. Could come and whisper. You know, things would lay a lot better off if you weren't here. You could get some rest. You could be done with this frustration. You go to heaven. You'd meet God. Isn't that what you want? It is a seductress that wants to draw us into a web of such displeasure for God. From God. Jonah's demand from God was demented. And when an old man is in charge, when your old man and that old sin and that nature of sin takes over and you're not following in Jesus' steps, but He's the one pulling the strings, I want you to know He'll want to take you to a place called death. he want to render you lifeless in the, in the conflict of the kingdom of God in this world. Jonah's dispute towards God. Jonah's displeasure with God. Jonah's demand of God. Finally, Jonah's dialogue from God. Look at verse 4. Then said the Lord, Dost thou doest thou well to be angry? You know to be honest, Jonah, better be glad that I'm not God. Because if I, if, if 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 he would have had the audacity to say what he did to me, I would have took all the wrath I'd had planned for Nineveh and dumped it on Jonah's head. Squash, be done with it. I'm tired of dealing with you. You whining prophet. I want you gone. How dare he? But what is God's reaction? Did God rain down fire and brimstone on this prophet? No. He makes a simple statement. Better than that, he asks a probing question. I'm so glad God God is as long-suffering with saints as he has with sinners. If there's anything this book of Jonah shows us, it is the depths of God's love and His compassion toward this man. I mean, I, I can't, if, if a man would have asked me, I would have killed him. I would have taken him out if I'd been God. I would have given him what he wants. The, the heart of God swells to have mercy on vile Ninevites, and it also swells to have mercy on eyesore Jonahs like you and me. Because I want you to understand, we may stand back and look at Jonah and say, ooh, yuck. But I want you to know, Jonah is a reflection of us. He's a reflection of who we are, who we can be, who we become. If we're not pursuing Christ, If we're not following in his steps, we can become an old man just like we were before. The sheen and the beauty of a new life in Christ can be tarnished by the strings of an old man. No, no. There are so many times that my old man, that old self, gets up out of a grave and it shakes the dust and dirt from his bones and he grabs my elbows in my hands and my knees and wants me to dance to his old dance. Wants me to do what he used to do. Wants me to walk down the path. I used to walk. He wants that from me. He wants me to be that person that I was when I was lost. Those old attitudes. Those old actions in life that's supposed to be dead and gone. They'll begin to creep in on my back. In the back of my mind, I'll begin to start thinking like that old man. God has a way of getting through with a message through conversation. Through conversion. I mean, through uh, God. uh, And and God has a way uh, through a message, through a conversation, through a devotion. God has a way of bringing it to light. And questioning, questioning me on the matter. You know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Until God starts asking me questions. I can bump along. I can be okay. But when God starts asking me, why did you act that way? Why did you say that? Why are you thinking that? When he starts asking me questions and probing deeply below the surface, man, God has a tendency to get right to the heart of the matter. Have you you had God ask you questions while I'm preaching, while you're reading the Bible, while you're driving down the road? Why have you been doing this? Why do you feel that way towards that person? Why is there such a streak of bitterness through your life? Why are you still, you know, there 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 are Goliaths that we will face in life, And we will think that we have slain them and they lie cold in the grave only to find five, six years down the road that they have the power and ability to come back and face us again. God asks questions. Why are you angry? Dost thou wail to be angry? God is saying to Jonah, is it right? Is it right for you to be angry? Are you able to really justify your anger? Let me ask you. Do you have the right to be angry at that person? Do you have the right to be bitter at that person? Do you have the right to want to have God's judgment rain down on them? It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. You're a guilty party just like they are. You deserve no more grace than they do. If God showed His love and mercy towards them... And yet, while they were yet sinners, Christ died for them on the cross, and He did the same for you. Why would you not show that same mercy to them? If God forgave you so great a debt, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to live the way you live after Christ has done so much for you? Is it right for you to ignore God in so many avenues of your life when He bled and suffered? And is it right? Is it right for you to be this way? Is it right for you to ask this? God's asking you. It was our sin that put Him on the cross. We were murderers of His sinless Son. And yet He through the Gospel calls us His children, His sons, His daughters of God. How can you condemn others when you yourself have been freed? You may be here lost today. You're, you're lost Today, and you are angry at God. You believe Him, you you blame Him for the events of your life, and God quietly and tenderly asks you, Dost thou do rightly? Is it right for you to be angry? He's given you pleasures and grace uh, and and joys in common grace. He's been kind to you. And sure, he's not given you everything you want, but what child does get everything they want? More importantly, He's withheld everything that you deserve. All the wrath and rebellious uh, uh, judgment that He should have poured out on you in a lifetime. He's held back. Held back. Spared you. He loves you. More importantly, He loves you. He sent His Son to convict you. and your refusal of His Son, He doesn't pour out His wrath. Listen, come be reconciled today. Come and know Jesus today. If you're lost in this room, if you say, Brother Ronnie, I am that old man, and to be honest with you, I've never been a new man. I have tried reformation and cleaned up and said an emotional prayer for release, but I've never in faith repented and believed on Him and entrusted my heart and my soul into His hands. Today is the day of salvation. Come, repent, and believe the Gospel. Put your trust in Jesus. In close, you know, you can't really hear the title of my message without thinking of a song. I know it all, Digging Up Bones. I, I don't, maybe you younger guys may not recognize it, but I do. Maybe, maybe I'm just a sinful old, old wretch that used to listen to a lot of country music, but, but it's an old song. You remember the old song? The song says, I'm digging up bones, I'm digging up bones. I'm exhuming things that's better left alone. Remember? I'm resurrecting memories of a love that's dead and gone. Many of us have found the same thing happening to us. Forces from hell have disturbed the grave of an old man, and instead of love, uh, instead of love, as the song says, we're digging at a life that ought to be dead and gone and buried and never show its ugly face again. And yet we're allowing something to pull it out of that grave. We're allowing it once again to pull the strings on us. We're allowing it to rest itself on our back and live an old life. Romans 6.6 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him and that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul says at conversion, the old man is crucified, but he likes to hop down off that cross and Yeah, put himself on you and make you the servant of sin again. You need to do what Carrie says. Take the nail, take the hammer, and nail it to the cross. If you're not right, get right today, put it back on the cross, nail it there, be done with an old man, and live a new life. Don't don't have people look at you and say, ah, that's the same old, that's the same old so-and-so I remember. May that be the furthest thing from their mind. Don't be that old man. Put off like a garment. Take off the old man. Put it away and follow Jesus. Come after him. Jonah was so wrong. So wrong. I had one preacher that was entitled his message. I can't remember the whole thing, but he was flat out wrong. Flat out wrong. Oh, he was mad. He was mad and flat out wrong. That was the title of the message. Listen. Don't be mad and flat out wrong. Come make it right with Jesus. Jonah's attitude was completely and utterly wrong. God's asking your heart today. Is it right? Dost thou do well? Are you, are you, are you questioning right? Are you, are you saying the right thing? Are you thinking the right thing? Don't let that old man come up and, and uh, rule your life. Let's all stand to our feet and come to a song of invitation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, if God's dealing with your heart, why don't you come? Why don't you respond? Maybe, maybe there's unconfessed sin. You need to make something right with God. You need to take an old man and bury him this morning. Maybe, maybe you're lost here today and you need to come and know Christ. God is gracious and merciful to you. Come and know Him. Put your trust in Him. Maybe there are angers and resentments and problems in your own heart that you need to deal with today. Find a place in this altar. Get it right with God. Find a place in your seat. Wherever. Make things right with God. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand Podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand